All right. Come on. What's up, church? Good to see you, Luminous Church. Come on. Give yourself a hand for waking up this morning, whether you're on your couch, in your living room, or you're here in a comfortable recliner at the theater. We're so glad that you made it to church this morning. And man, wasn't worship powerful. Worship was amazing. We just were able to honor God and love God and really seek him and seek his face. And it's really our heart every time that we worship that you would be able to hear God. We want to create room and space for you here or online that you would be able to hear who he is and feel his presence, that it would illuminate with you. So I'm in the dark because we keep hitting the button, and it, our system is super slow. So, so just quit hitting the button, and we'll be all right. Well, hey, let's, uh, let's pray. Let's pray as we're just uh, bringing, bringing church to you this morning. Father, we just love you, and we're so grateful. Grateful to be here. Grateful to sense your presence and to love you, God. We pray, God, that you would just come and illuminate yourself, Lord. I really believe that you have something that you want to show us. And reveal to us, Lord, be glorified, be honored, in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, there's the lights, let's go, let's go, we're ready. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, that's where we're going to be this morning, and I'm excited because we've been talking about the elements of revival, and we talked about in order to have revival, first off, we need a repentance, that repentance is key, that we must turn away from ourselves and turn towards him. The next thing that we need and the next element that Pastor Edgar brought to us last week is we need prayer. We need to position ourselves and posture ourselves to pray. Any great move of God has always happened by prayer. And that we haven't seen a great move of God happen without prayer. It prayer proceeds God moving and reviving his people in his land. Amen, church. I hope that you're walking deeper in prayer this week. And today we're going to talk about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If you're going to have revival, you're going to have to have the Holy Spirit outpoured upon you at the tech people. Just focus on me. Let's just hone in. Acts chapter 8 right here. Here's where we're going to be this morning. And if we don't have lights, we can always just turn on the lights, um, the fluorescence or whatever needs to happen this morning. But I'm excited because, because the Holy Spirit was outpoured, not just in the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit came upon people like David or came upon people like uh, Samson to do his work, the Holy Spirit came in a powerful way. But we also see that the Holy Spirit came in the New Testament. And we read about Acts chapter 2, how the Holy Spirit was outpoured in the New Testament. And I'm just cracking up about these lights. So come on, somebody. Come on. Can we just laugh real quick? Come on, give God a hand or something. All right. Okay, Voltaire. I hear Voltaire's voice. Where Voltaire's around, you know, you have a Filipino surgeon nurse around. It's going to be okay. Well, let me, let, me, let me do something before we read Acts chapter 8. I want to tell you about a mission trip opportunity this weekend, Friday and Saturday. Friday nights, Saturday morning, there's a mission trip opportunity called Kindle, where we're partnering with Crossbridge Church, also with Rock Hills Church, where we're going to partner together to get equipped in order to evangelize and learn how to share our faith 
in the middle of uncertainty to people who found themselves hopeless and are needing answers. So I want to encourage you, if you want to attend this Friday and Saturday, I would encourage you to do so. And you could text the word LC guest to 94,000. And when you do that, then we will get your information, be able to respond with the link to sign up. So if you have your phone, you're curious to see what that's like, go ahead, take out your phone, text that number right now where we'll be able to connect with you in what we're going to do this weekend. Partnered with two other churches here locally. In Acts chapter 8, verse 4 through 19. Now nobody can go to sleep. I love that. It says this in verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits crying out with loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. I love Acts chapter 8 because here in a moment we're going to read about how the Holy Spirit's poured out in this chapter. Once again, not just as in Acts chapter 2, but here in Acts chapter 8, he will also be poured out in great ways. But I want to tell you in the preceding verses, verses 1 through 3, right before this, it's interesting to see what's happening to the church. If you were to back it up a few verses, we see that persecution is happening throughout the land. You may remember in Acts chapter 7 where Stephen, one of the deacons, was stoned and stoned to death. You have Paul or Saul going around persecuting the church. And it was in that moment where the apostles had to make a decision. Are we going to hunker down and stay here and pray and join our faith here, knowing that persecution is going to happen? Or will persecution lead to the obedience of the command that Jesus gave? You see, when Jesus left, he said, I want you to go to the ends of the world proclaiming me and telling people about Jesus. It was that moment when persecution happened that the apostles began to scatter different preachers and different people in the body of Christ all over the land. And here we find Philip going to Samaria as a result of persecution. How many know when persecution comes, the church still moves forward? Amen, church? When things come against us, we still move forward. We still go out. We still proclaim the gospel. And interestingly enough, in verse 1 through 3, Stephen, their friend, was just stoned. And their friend just died. And it said, godly men buried Stephen and began to grieve. I'm thinking about grief this past year. If you know our life Brandy lost her dad back in November. Taylor lost her dad just this week. And grief hits us in all sorts of moments and all sorts of times. But in our grief, revival can still take place. Even in our lives, in the moments that we're sitting there and we're losing our loved ones and we're burying them, the church is still moving forward because here's the thing is in death, You think about eternity the most. 
When you're grieving and when you're in pain, all you can do is think about heaven and how glorious it's going to be, how amazing it's going to be. And you want people to come with you and join you in the eternal heavenlies that God has placed and set up for us. Isn't that right, church? You see, when there's persecution and when there's grief, revival is right there primed, ready to take place. That God wants to start birthing something and doing something even in the middle of that. As painful as it is. And they go in this verse, they go to Samaria and revival is beginning to happen in Samaria. How fitting is Samaria? You see, Jesus loved Samaria and he oftentimes reached out to different Samaritans. You may remember the woman at the well where he goes and he loves her like no man has loved her, only as God could love her. And he shares the gospel and truth with her. And what does she do? She runs to the town, tells everybody, there's a man who's told me all about what I've ever done. And he said that he has this living water, and if you drink of it, you will never be thirsty again in this moment. You can only imagine in Samaria. After all these people got excited about Jesus, after she goes and tells everybody about Jesus, and then Jesus, they see, die upon a cross, die a death. What does that do to Samaria? It could deflate them a little bit. Could be making them wonder, what's going on? Where's where it's happening? Did, Did we miss him? Did we miss Jesus? And I think today some of us ask that same question, whether you're here in this theater or whether you're here there at home. Sometimes you go about life and you think, man, I missed him. I missed my opportunity with Jesus. I missed my moment. But the good news and the great news is that the Holy Spirit is about to be poured out to remind you that you didn't miss a thing. That you didn't miss him. You didn't miss who he is. That he's not done with you. And maybe you didn't respond five years ago or go to the altar 20 years ago. I just want to let you know that Jesus is not done with you because the Holy Spirit is still being poured out still filling us up, and still working miracles in our lives. Still working miracles in our lives. This is what he does, the Holy Spirit does. And Philip is displaying the glory of God by all sorts of things and by preaching. And and then let's pick it up in verse 9. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs And great miracles performed. He was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They sent to them Peter and John. Who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them. But they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they laid their hands on them. 
and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. We see in this moment, in this chapter, we see the Holy Spirit poured out. We see people responding to the gospel and getting baptized. We see miracles and signs and wonders. We see the demonic getting delivered and shrieks were coming out of people. Loud yells. Have you ever seen that? It'll freak you out a little bit. It'll be like, whoa, what's going on? This is unreal. But people are getting free and the fruit of their freedom is joy. Because that's what happens when you're free. The fruit in your life will be joy in your life. Do you have joy this morning? Do you count it all joy this morning in whatever situation you're going through? If not, maybe the Lord wants to free something in your life today. Maybe God wants to free something up. The first thing that I want to point out, I want to point out a couple of things. The first thing that we see is people are wanting to believe something. How many know that's true, church? Come on. How many know that's true? Raise a hand emoji online. Raise it up in here. I see all these hands. We know that people want to believe something. They're always looking to believe something. That's why it's so easy to sell them something fake, something they don't need. How many of you ever bought something you don't need? Now, how many Peloton bikes in here? I'm just kidding. Just kidding. You know, sometimes we, we buy something we don't need because, because we all are wanting to believe something and need something. And we all have this hole inside of this, in this hopelessness. And, and there's all sorts of people who are seeking truth. You may know the name, not Bill Qureshi, who wrote the book, Seeking Allah and Finding Jesus where he wanted to find something real. And here he is, a Muslim in Islamic religion, and he's seeking Allah. And in the midst of seeking him, he finds Jesus. He finds him so much so that he writes in his book, all suffering, all suffering is worth it to follow Jesus. He is amazing. And if you know his story, he actually ended up getting stomach cancer and passing away a couple years ago. And through all the pain and all the suffering, he kept saying, Jesus is amazing. Jesus is amazing. You see, when you find Jesus and you find the real thing, what begins to happen is it changes your traje trajectory and you find purpose. And you start feeling his presence. Start feeling his presence. When the Holy Spirit is coming to you, you start feeling his presence like never before. And some of us came this morning. Some of us are watching online because all you want to do is believe in something. Maybe your life is not going as you thought it would. Maybe your employment's not going as you thought it would. Maybe your relationships are fractured. Maybe you find yourself with illness. Maybe something has come up against you and you're like, I need to believe in something. I need to find something. So where did you go? You came here. And I'm going to tell you this morning, already during worship, you may have even sensed the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. 
reminding you, I'm with you. I'm for you. I love you. I've not forgotten you. Truth will be revealed to you this morning. It may be in a lyric that we sang or a verse that we read. I want to ask you right now, would you close your eyes? Wherever you are. And would you just wait for him? And would you ask him? God, I need a word from you this morning. I need a word from you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, give me something tangible to hold on to. A whisper, an image, his goodness, his grace, his love, his mercy. We thank you for this, Lord. Amen. Second thing we see is God wants to pour out his spirit. All of us want to believe something, but God wants to pour out his spirit. We see this pattern throughout the New Testament, and it is a fulfillment of the prophetic words spoken by Joel in Joel chapter 2. It says in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters, they will prophesy, and your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days because I'm no respecter of persons. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. We see that this is a prophetic word way before Jesus. And as Jesus ascends into heaven and commissions his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, 50 days they are praying and the day of Pentecost comes and tongues of fire come and distribute themselves and the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit with great power. And then we see it again right here that God doesn't just love the Jews, but he also in Acts chapter 8 loves the Samaritans. And he said, I'm going to unleash and pour out my Holy Spirit in Samaria. And then we'll see in Acts chapter 10 where he pours out his Holy Spirit on the Gentiles. In Acts chapter 19, he'll pour out his Holy Spirit in Ephesus. And we read about in Corinthians how he'll pour out his Holy Spirit in Corinth. That the Lord wants to pour out the Holy Spirit to us, church. Can I get an amen? Come on. So when you clap in a theater, just there's nothing comes back. You just got to clap in faith. Let's everybody clap in faith. Come on. Let's believe that. Luke eleven thirteen. 13, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Those who ask, Father, just give us the Holy Spirit. And the father is faithful to distribute and pour out the Holy Spirit to you. 
The third part of the Trinity, the one who has come to comfort and guide and lead you. The one when you're faced with that business decision, what do I do? Or that car purchasing decision, can I get an amen? Lord, what do I do? Or that spouse decision, should I swipe left or should I swipe right? Should I like, come on, hinge or whatever else you're using? What should I do? You just need the Holy Spirit direction in that moment because he's going to guide you. He's going to direct you he's going to lead you and he's going to come upon you for those who ask we've seen this throughout history we've seen many times in history with the great awakening with jonathan edwards we see it in the second great awakening and the third great awakening that revivals have come into our land and hopeless situations you you feel like we're hopeless you look around and you look at the news media and you look at different outlets and different TVs and friend circles and social circles. And you're like, man, our world is bad. I'm going to tell you, it's been bad before. Maybe bad now. But when the Holy Spirit comes, it just gets better. Can I get an amen? When the Holy Spirit comes, your life gets better. The atmosphere around you gets better. Your home gets better. Your finances get better. God starts moving and guiding you in greater leadership and greater ways. This is what we've seen throughout the church and throughout history, and we see it in the Old Testament when the Holy Spirit comes upon a single person. And then we see in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit comes upon a corporate group of people. And then Acts chapter 8, and Acts chapter 10, and Acts chapter 19, and we read about it in epistles, and we, it's all over Scripture where the Holy Spirit is poured upon us. But then we see it in our lives. Our lives. If you've had the Holy Spirit poured out in your life, can I see a hand? Raise your hand right now. You see that? If you want to know if the Holy Spirit can be poured out, just look at a hand. Keep it up. Keep it up. Come on. The Holy Spirit's been poured out in my life. He has consumed me. He's overcome me. He's overwhelmed me. He has guided me. He's directed me. He is leading me. This is what the Holy Spirit does. You just look around and say, I want what you got because you got joy. You got freedom. You got peace. You got the peace that surpasses all understanding. Even though my situation says something, although you're living it out differently, you're living out with greater joy, greater purpose. There's something about you. You know when you've encountered somebody with the Holy Spirit because you go, there's something about them. They're different. They're all but different. And I want what they have. And I want to tell you that Jesus didn't leave you. Like John chapter 4 in Samaria. No, Jesus came back and he came back greater. He came back with so much more. He came back with the Holy Spirit to pour out upon you in every single way. You see this, no matter what religion or what denomination you grew up under, when you hear this message, it begins to move you into a place of seeking and asking. My mother started going to school at Howard Payne, a Baptist college, and there she goes, grew up Baptist, loves Jesus, but never heard that the Holy Spirit could be outpoured and fill you up to overflowing and guide you in ways that you didn't know you could be guided and distribute gifts that you didn't even think you could possess and, and that God would use you in unique ways and she begins to ask for the Holy Spirit. It was in her dorm room. 
After she hears about people in campus talking and revival is happening during the Jesus movement, she goes to her dorm room and she just asks, Holy Spirit, if you have anything for me that I'm missing, if you have more for me, would you give it? And right there, the Holy Spirit just floods her, fills her up. She speaks in another language, a heavenly tongue that God just moves and he shows up and she knows that God showed up. It was like a tongue of fire came into her dorm room and filled her up, changed her life. See, Melanie, who's here, one of our service coordinators, and she hears about the Holy Spirit at a student conference. We just had a student conference this weekend. Yeah, four college students. They're all serving. Praise Jesus for costumes. They're all serving, watching your babies. But uh, Melanie hears about the Holy Spirit. She doesn't come down to the altar. They have this altar moment. And here after service, we're going to have an altar moment. We're going to have prayer workers ready to pray for anybody who wants to receive the Holy Spirit and power this morning. We're going to have that. But here she is, and she doesn't go to the altar. She could have thought, John chapter 4, man, I'm not. I'm missing. Did I miss Jesus? Did I miss him? And the Holy Spirit said, you didn't miss me. So I can go everywhere. I can do anything. So she's there, and she, I remember her telling this story. Melanie, if I'm exposing you, praise God. She's in a prayer closet. The Holy Spirit, you have more for me. Fill me up. She's worshiping the Lord, worshiping Jesus, giving him praise, giving him adoration. They're having a moment with God, meeting God, and God meets her. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. And there she is, just filled up, filled up. Holy Spirit bubbling up inside her, out of her, changed, free. The Lord's doing something amazing. The third thing we notice is there will always be counterfeits. See, when you see something like this, you see Simon, and Simon wants to pay for it. Because who wouldn't want to pay for some power? You know what I mean? Who wouldn't want to pay for some illusions that you don't even have to work for? You know, you didn't even have to practice the card tricks. They were just coming. There's always counterfeits. There's always counterfeits that come, but there's no mistake about it. Even though there's counterfeits, I want to tell you there's a great way to distinguish whether it's real or it's not real. We have been in a world sometimes duped by counterfeits. I have a friend who works for a televangelist, and he was telling me the way that they can get more offerings if they offer a token with their gift. So the token would be something abstract or mysterious. Uh, you know, maybe it's certain water or certain oil or certain fragrance. But if they give that to people, they'll get more offerings coming in. He goes, it's brilliant. You should try it. I said, no thanks. Not everybody <clears throat> out there it is a Simon, and not everybody out there on TV preaching the gospel is, is, is like this one. So what, how do we spot counterfeits? What do we do? How do we deal with it when we see counterfeits arise? In these moments, you'll notice that when the Holy Spirit comes about, there's going to be things that happen, that always happen, that will make you feel uncomfortable. How many know that's true? 
It's not comfortable hearing a shriek when you pray for a demon to come out. That made me weird. I'm not going back to that church. That's strange. There's groanings that happen and, and different moments that happen. Some people have failing of strength when the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they're, they're just laid out in the Holy Spirit. Some people are ecstatic and all of a sudden they're jumping next to your seat. So you move one row back. <laughs> There's all sorts of things that happen. See, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll move to different places and you'll go into different spaces because you want more of him. Back in the day of the Great Awakening, farmers would walk miles to hear George Whitfield preach. How far are we willing to drive? Where are we willing to go to encounter God in his presence? You see, the Holy Spirit can bring us into a place of wonder and bring us into a place of who I don't know fully. Here's how I distinguish the marks of a work of the Spirit of God. First off, it lifts up the name of Jesus. It's going to lift up the name of Jesus, that he was born a virgin, that he was crucified, that he's the Son of God, and he's the Savior of mankind. The second way you know is he operates against the interest of Satan's kingdom. He operates against the interest of Satan's kingdom. He causes a great regard for Scripture, that the Holy Spirit is always going to make you a lover of God's Word. He's going to distinguish the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. That he's going to give you the discernment to distinguish between those. And he operates out of a spirit of a love for God and a love for others. When the Holy Spirit comes, it's going to love God and it's going to love you. It's going to love his church. It's going to build his church up. See, God cares about his bride. He's the groom. He takes very seriously his bride. It's why he doesn't like sin. He doesn't like when you mistreat your husband or your wife, or you cheat on certain things, or you don't operate in his character. Brian picked me up this morning, pulled the church trailer. So thankful for Brian. And we were talking about the whole character of God, the fatherhood of God, and, and the things that God doesn't like is when it attacks his character, his very nature. When you're ugly to somebody, God doesn't like that. It goes against his character. You see, that's a great way to understand if you're pleasing God. Would this go against my father's character and who he is? who he says he is. The Holy Spirit, lastly, will see that in this, our greatest obstacle and our biggest obstacle is control. We love to control things, right, church? I do the checkbook, and I do my own laundry, and I fold my towels this way, and I'm never going to have a roommate because if I have a roommate, I can't do the things that I want to do in my house. We love control. 
The challenge with control, if you can't relinquish control, you negate the relationship. You won't let him in on the relationship. The Holy Spirit is a relational God. You see, he's going to go with you, right? Praise God, the Holy Spirit goes with us. He's going to go with us. He's going to follow us. But I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to go with you. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you. You see, see, it's a little bit different. It's a little nuanced. You see, one, I'm going, and it's like the Holy Spirit's going with me into the club, and the Holy Spirit's going with me into a sinful situation, and the Holy Spirit's going with me into places that he doesn't really want to go, but he's going with me because he loves me, and he's like, you're mine. I'm going with you. But, but the Holy Spirit actually wants to lead you and have you follow, still with you, but him leading. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you. Who do I marry? Who are my friends? What does my finances look like? What school do I attend? What do I do in this situation? We oftentimes resist the Holy Spirit because we don't want him to know what we are doing. We don't want him to know what we're up to. We don't want him to see, you know? I'm telling you, he's already seeing He's already with you. But I've decided a long time ago, at 11 years old, when I was at a tent revival, I went to the altar, and the Holy Spirit was being poured out, and they were laying on hands. I said, I want the Holy Spirit. I want him. And I went up there. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And a long time ago, I decided, hey, where you go, I'll follow. Where you go, I'll follow. Just better. It's easier. It's more freeing and more liberating. Let me pray for you this morning. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you, and what he's asking is for you to invite him in. So we're going to do that corporately, and then as we begin to dismiss in just a moment, you can receive prayer and laying on hands just as the apostles did when they were sent down to Samaria. Holy Spirit, you see us, you know us, you love us, you guide us, you direct us, you are our friend, you are the one that we love, and you're our great guider and great comforter. In the moment, Lord Jesus, when we have grief and we're persecuted and there's pain, You're the one who guides and comforts. You're the one whose shoulder we can lean on, and you're the one who knows our ins and outs. Holy Spirit, examine my life. Examine my life if I'm not making room for you. Examine our life if we're not making room for you. Somewhere, reveal it so we can just let it go. We want that joy and that freedom that you offer. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you something real quickly. Maybe the Holy Spirit hasn't been outpoured in your life because you don't know Jesus. You never had a relationship with him. Today's your opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus. First off, just admit that you are a sinner. 
He falls short of God's perfection. Secondly, recognize that Jesus lived a perfect life and lived a, a selfless life and gave his life on the cross for your sins and for the short, your shortcomings. And third, just believe that God raised him from the dead and that you're choosing to trust him and you will be saved.